Are you all awake? It's kind of quiet. <laughs> hey, so we're only a few weeks away from Easter. And I love the story of Easter, you know? So I'm, I'm thinking about that and I'm reading those stories. Don't you just love the verse, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you? Don't you love that? <laughs> Don't you love the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you? Don't you love that? That makes me, yeah. I love those kind of verses. So I was thinking something about the resurrection. But, you know, before the resurrection, before there's a coming back to life, there's a death. So we're going to preach about the cross. I want to preach about the cross, the price, the power, and the purpose of the cross. What's all behind it? So can we look at that? Um, ever since I'm a little child and I heard, Jesus died for you. Jesus had to go to the cross so that you could be forgiven. Jesus had to die so that you could live. I always wondered, you're God. Can't you figure out another way? Did anybody ever think that? Anybody? <laughs> well, like, uh, are you, okay, wow. Half a dozen of us are the only ones that ever asked that question. Really? You have to send Jesus to die a cruel, agonizing, painful death on a cross. Why? Is there no other way? Is there no other way? I, ask, I actually asked myself that for a lot of years. Maybe you've known this stuff all along. <laughs> oh, my. And then I began to understand. And I began to understand covenant and what that is and what that looks like. And let me say this, because when I'm reading the stories about the crucifixion, and what Paul talks about the cross, many times... I was blown away again by all the types and shadows, right? Everything's mirrored from the old. It's, it's so beautiful, so amazing. And like, it's like treasure chest after treasure chest of revelation in there. Thank God you don't have to understand it all to benefit from it, right? You have to know this. Here's what you have to know. Romans 10.9 says that if you will confess with your mouth. And if you'll believe in your heart that God has raised Christ Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. That's what you have to know. That's what you have to do. That's what you have to experience sometime. And confessing with your mouth is much more than just the words coming out. Just the words by themselves won't produce a heart change. You know what confessing with your heart that Jesus is Lord? You know what that looks like? When you say, Jesus, your Lord, it's I bow my heart to you. Jesus, it's no longer me in charge, it's 
you. It's no longer my life. It's your life through mine. That's what Jesus is Lord. The bowing of somebody's heart to someone superior. That's what Jesus is Lord really means. And when you do that, there's a change. The Bible says you become a a new creation. You become a new man. And the DNA of Christ suddenly flows into you. You become a new person. You become alive spiritually. That's what you have to know. Every one of us has to know that and has to experience that at some time. But when when you understand more, here's sometimes what it does. When you understand the price that it really costs Jesus. When you understand the purpose of why it came, sometimes it, it'll open your heart up that you can actually love him more. That's what it'll do. It'll open your heart up that you can love him more. So that's what I'm believing is going to happen tonight. <clears throat> So, what I'm saying about covenant. You've got to understand a covenant a little bit to uh, know why Jesus had to die. Every covenant that God ever instituted required blood. There's always blood attached to it. Even a marriage between a man and a woman, the physical union of a man and a woman, when they come together for the first time, there is blood shed. The sealing of a covenant. The very first time I looked at a covenant was when I looked at the covenant God made with Abraham. God came to Abraham and he's pursuing a man's heart. And it's, it's, it's nothing on Abraham's part that he has to do anything. God comes to him and he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your descendants. I'm going to multiply you. And he's pouring out blessing about blessing. He's showing his goodness to a man. And if you read the story, you see how God made the covenant with Abraham. There's actually an animal, a bull that's split in half. They cut it and they lay a half over here and a half over here. And the parties walk between the animals and they say, may God do Thus unto me, if I don't fulfill the vows of this covenant. And it's made in blood. That was the vow God made to Abraham. And it was nothing to do on Abraham's part. From what we read, it wasn't anything, it wasn't conditional in any way. He just said, I'm going to bless you. He's pursuing a man. Wanting someone who will turn to him. So from that he can raise a nation. From that comes the savior of the world. You go from Abraham, you go forward hundreds of years and you got the children of Israel. And they're camped at the bottom of Mount Sinai. And Jesus, God, decides, here's where I'm going to give the law. I need to give them a law so they know right from wrong. And right away we got to have... A sacrificial system so that they can deal with it when they, when they break the law, when they sin, they have a way that they can take care of that. And so he puts high priests and priests in place. And they're the mediators between God and the people. That system 
only exposed the flaws. The, actually, what Paul says that that's what revealed the need for man's savior. Because you go forward from there, from the Mosaic covenant that God created, and they actually, if you read the story, they killed an animal, and they took the blood from the animal, and they sprinkled it on the people, and the people said, we will do what's in this covenant. And the covenant was very conditional. The one that God made with the people of Israel, with the children of Israel, it was, if you do good, I'll bless you. If you obey my laws, I won't allow your animals to die. No one will ever have a miscarriage. That was in the covenant. I'll protect you. But if you disobey me, if you serve other gods, I'll allow a curse to fall upon you. You'll be carried away into other nations. Very conditional covenant that he made with them. And that goes on for hundreds of years. And there's millions of animals killed to only cover the sin. It never forgave it. Sins were never forgiven by that blood. It never took care of the problem. It only revealed the problem. The problem is man's depravity. Man has a sin nature and he has no power within himself to live above sin. It just exposed the need. And so if you read Hebrews If you read Hebrews, it says in Hebrews 8 that God actually found fault with the Old Covenant. He said if he would have found it flawless. From that you can say he found a fault with the Old Covenant. And he wanted a better covenant with better promises. What do you do? We want a new covenant. But there's an agreement. There's an agreement that stands in place. There's a covenant. And it's not taking care of the issue. Somebody has to die. It's what every covenant requires. That if the terms of the covenant aren't fulfilled, there's death. So it's Really, guys, you got to die or God dies. That's what it was. God wants a better agreement. He wants all people. David even said that the blood of bulls and calves isn't really what he wants. He wants people's hearts. He wants our love. He wants our affection. Someone had to die. And Jesus, he raises his hand and he says, I'll die. I'll die. I'll be the one. Not only will I die, I'll take all the sin of the entire world, I'll take upon myself. Second Corinthians 5 says that he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. He actually took all the sin of all the world upon himself. 
And he spread out his arms and they drove giant spikes in his hands. And we sang about this tonight. Drove spikes through his hands. Drove a spear up through his side. And he bled. And in that, there was an old covenant that said, you must do this to receive this. That was put away with. The Bible says that that was rolled up and put away. And when Jesus sat down with the disciples and had communion with them, had the Last Supper, we're going to do this in two weeks. He said, this is my broken body. He took bread and broke it. This is my broken body. Remember what they did to the animals? They broke it. He broke the bread and he ate it. And he drank the cup and he said, this is my blood. This is the seal of the new covenant that I'm going to make. And that's exactly what happened hours later. Jesus' body was crushed. Jesus' body was broken for us. And his blood made a new covenant possible that says, if you will believe and confess that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. So the sin, Jesse touched on this last week when he said, sin of all mankind is forgiven. You know, I remember for years and years and years, I would, when I do something wrong, I would come and beg God to forgive me. God, I got angry again. I screamed at that person. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. My sin has been dealt with. Here's the truth. My sin has been dealt with 2,000 years ago. Does that mean that I don't come to Jesus anymore? No, absolutely I do. I come to him. I humble my heart when I sin. I say, Lord, I receive your forgiveness. Thank you. Because that's what the, Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. So this isn't some kind of weird universalism where all the sins are all taken care of and everybody goes to heaven. That's not what we're saying. But sin was dealt with once and for all. Listen to what Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 says this, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. That's Hebrews 10, 12. You want to know what the new covenant said? The new covenant. If this stuff interests you, read Hebrews 8, 9, and 10. You can read that sometime on your own, but it talks all about the covenant. And here's what he says, that he's getting rid of the old covenant, the one that he found faults with, and he wants a better covenant with better promises. He said, here's what's going to be the new covenant. I'll write my law on their hearts and on their minds. And he goes on to say in a few verses, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and to their sins and their lawless deeds I'll remember no more. So you can take the worst sinner of all mankind and when the blood of Jesus is applied, he says, I've already dealt with that. There's people that can't accept this because it's too good. I've talked to people here in this town who says, 
I've always been a good person. I don't need a savior. I never did anything that's bad enough to needing saved from. The Bible says that our own efforts to get to God are filthy rags. They're the worst thing. I think Chris Valentin's the one that said this, and I love it. He said, God doesn't send anybody to hell. He says, over my dead body will you go to hell. But there's people that choose to step over his blood, over his broken body. And there is a hell that awaits. Those that choose to ignore the sacrifice that Jesus made. Sobering, very sobering. Do you know, I haven't told you guys anything new, but if you hear something from the time you're young to the time you're old, it can become, you know, it doesn't have the same effect on you. The price that Jesus paid, the purpose. And I want to tell you a story that might upset some of you, but it's okay. I think we need to be shook up. Hey, Sonny. Come. You're going to be with me for this story. Okay. Jump up here. Whoa. Can you stand beside me? All right. Oh, you just sit on my lap. Here we go. All right, I'm going to sit here. This is a true story. True story. 1930s. There was a man by the name of John Griffith who lived in Oklahoma, and uh, he had to come east because of the Great Depression. He had a wife, he had a family, and he had a son who grew up, was eight years old, and the son loved him, and he loved his son. And his highlight was when he was at work, and his son would bring him his lunch, and they could eat lunch together. And it was what they did every day that they could do it. This one day, son brought him lunch, and they're eating lunch on the banks of the river. And the father, what he did at work is he tended a drawbridge across a river, and he would lower the drawbridge for the train to go across, and he'd raise the drawbridge for the ships to pass through the river. And on this day, they're sitting on the banks of the river eating lunch, and they're interrupted by a shrill whistle of a train. And it surprised the father because it was an entire hour early. They weren't expecting the train to come this early. So he jumped up and he told the son, just stay right there. I'll be back. And he sprinted as fast as he could. He sprinted to his control room. And he grabbed the lever to drop the drawbridge. And as he did it, he looked up at the bridge. And to his horror, he saw that his son had tried to follow him. And he had fallen. And his leg became caught in one of the giant cogs 
that lowered the bridge. And the first thought the father had was, I'm going to run as fast as I can. I'll pull him out and I'll run back. But he knew he couldn't do it. It was, there wasn't enough time. There wasn't enough time for him. And even as he's doing that, the train is pulling the whistle urgently because they see that the drawbridge is still up. The father is faced with the most terrible decision of his life. Screaming as loud as he could. He knew that if he doesn't make the decision, there's going to be 400 souls in the river 100 feet below. And he turned his face away because he couldn't see. Does that remind you of a verse? The father turned his face away. Yeah, he turned his face away and screaming, he pulled the lever and dropped the bridge and within moments the train roared across and there's 400 people who never knew the cost. Many of them, no idea. None of them even came back to thank the man. But he did pay the ultimate price. There's no price that the father could pay higher than what he paid for their lives. And there's 400 people that went on to live full happy lives. But at a cost. At the ultimate price. The price of his very own son that he loved. That story is an exact picture of what God the Father did for us. What Jesus paid for us. All except for one thing. It was no accident. It was no accident. The Bible says that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. The joy that's set before him, that's you and I. He did that. John 3.16 says... He so loved the world that he freely gave his son. You can go back. Thanks, bud. It wasn't an accident, but the price was the same. I'd like to uh, read a quick list. Of everything that was, not everything, sorry. This is a list of like 10 things Jesus accomplished at the cross. Okay? To the natural man, to the physical, it looked like a man died on two pieces of wood. But in the spirit, there's never been that much activity in three days. There's a lot accomplished. A lot accomplished in the spiritual realm. Jesus was punished so that we might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. Jesus tasted death for us that we might share his life. Jesus was made a curse that we might receive the blessing. Jesus endured our poverty that we might share his abundance. Jesus endured my rejection that my, I might have his acceptance with the Father.
Jesus was cut off so that we might be joined to the Lord. Our old man was put to death in him that we might have a new man come to life in us. Jesus was a man of sorrows so that we can experience the fullness of joy. It's just a quick list of some of the things that Jesus accomplished when he died on the cross. The devil had no idea. Jesus totally flipped the script on him. So, above all, I think the primary purpose, and we had this conversation in our care group the other night, primary purpose, the reason why Jesus died was for reconnection and intimacy with the Father again. God is love, right? He doesn't just love. His very nature is love. When you love, you want to pour it out on something, on somebody, right? Why do you get married? You long to pour out your love upon someone. Why do you have children? Because you want to love something. That's the reason God created man. Because he longed to pour out his love on someone. That happened in the garden. That happened with Adam and Eve. That's exactly what happened. There was such intimacy. They walked, they talked. They shared communion with each other in the garden. And when Adam and Eve sinned, that was broken. That intimacy was broken. I believe Adam and Eve longed for that again. But I also believe God longed for that intimacy, longed for that connection with his creation. I think he did. That was in his heart. Do you know the moment that Jesus, when he had his arms stretched out, the moment that he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head, gave up his spirit, that moment, the very next verse in the Bible says that the veil in the temple was ripped top to bottom. And it was a huge curtain that separated man from God, from the Holy of Holies. You died if you went in there. And it's God's way of saying, there's no more separation. There's no more separation. Actually, I want out. I want to get in people. I want to live in their hearts now. Revelations 3.20 Get this. He says, I stand at the door and I knock. And it's written to Christians. I stand at the door and knock. And if you open the door and let me in, I'll come in and I'll share a meal with you. That's intimacy, right? From that, you can see it's a longing in the heart of God. You think you long for God. He longs for you. He longs for your affection as well. In the story of the prodigal son, who is it that stands longing for someone to come home? It's the father. It's the father. The son wants to go back home. He doesn't know how he would be accepted. But it's the father who's longing and looking for someday my son come back. It's a picture of Father God. His longing for intimacy and connection. And Jesus made it possible at the cross. All of it. You're awfully quiet.
Can you stand up? bit of music. There's a few things I'd like to pray for. Just bow your head now, close your eyes. First of all, if, you, if you've never had the time when you bowed your heart to the Lord and said, Jesus is Lord, I make you my king. I want you to do that tonight. But even beyond that, I believe that there's many that know what it is to have Jesus as Savior. I know that he saved me from my sin. But they don't know Jesus as lover of my soul. And if when I said that, if that that resounds with you, I just want you to right now just say, that's me, God but I'm not satisfied with that. I know you died for connection and intimacy. I know it's in the covenant. I know it was paid for in the atonement. Lord, everyone who said that, I ask that that you take them on a journey what it is to live a connected life with you. One that invites you in. It says, let's share a meal together. going to take some time guys there's no hurry there's no rush matter of fact if you want prayer for this I want you to come to the front and we'll have a prayer team pray for you if there's anyone here who has sickness a disease in your body and you want prayer I want you to come forward and we'll pray for that too so many times we put sin and sickness on two different territories and Jesus paid for them both His body was broken that we might experience healing. Can you do that again? Just hold your hands out in front of yourself. And I want you to put it on your lips. Say, 
Lord, show me what intimacy with you looks like. Lord, I ask that you cause every part of our hearts to come alive spiritually. That we wouldn't stay in the shallow end of the pool, but we go deep with you, Lord. you purchased at the cross thank you that what accomplished there buys our freedom says you get to go free serious about this thing of walking in intimacy with the Lord he'll take you on a journey and he'll show you what it looks like that you can know in your heart let's not settle for less than what was bought for us Father, I ask that you go with every one of us throughout this next week. Keep these truths on the top of our minds. We can be reminded of them. And that we'd often give you thanks. We'd never get tired of thanking you and praising you for what you've done for us. You are worthy, Lord over us and I ask your blessing would remain upon us in the name of Jesus and let's just pray for Pastor Penn right now he's in Delaware speaking at some meetings can you do that Father I ask that all the grace that Pastor Penn needs you'd pour it out upon him every situation that he comes into you'd give him wisdom you demonstrate your greatness, your power through his life and through what he shares in Delaware. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you for coming.